0: going to switch gears here for the next uh, half hour or so and talk about uh, money and uh, how it's going to become, well, it is already, but it's going to become an even bigger issue for all of us fairly soon. If you think about it, just about every jurisdiction on the planet... Uh, has seen their expenses soar and their revenues plunge as a result of this COVID-19 pandemic. Canada and Alberta, certainly uh, not exceptions to that by any means. We've seen huge deficits at the federal and provincial level. You know, $354 billion last year uh, for the feds, 154 for the coming year. You're looking at a half a trillion dollars in debt in two years. Um, same story in Alberta. We're seeing big, big deficits as we try and make our way through this. So Whether you think that was money well spent or all a massive waste doesn't matter. The bills are going to have to be paid, and ultimately, you and I are going to have to pay them. Bill Robson is CEO of the C.D. Howe Institute, and he joins us now to talk a bit more about the situation we're in and how we get out of it. Bill, thanks for taking some time today. Appreciate it.
1: Well, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm sorry the topic isn't more cheerful, but we'll see what we can do. (laughs) Hey, it's the reality
0: of the world we're living in, Bill. Nothing we can do to get around it
1: well that that is that is true and uh, uh i'll just uh lead in i guess by recapping a little bit of what you said in, in slightly different words um it's true right now that uh governments are, are running big deficits uh because of the pandemic um when you look over time though uh even uh you know no matter in a sense what happens with interest payments uh, uh and, and growth rates uh it might be a few cents one way or the other but in the long run, you end up paying a dollar uh, in tax for every program you spend, give or take a nickel, and so that's part of what the the message that we were trying to convey in advance of the federal budget was uh, and and certainly uh, afterwards as well. Right now, everything feels cheap, but the yeah. day comes, and it's not that far off when a dollar is a dollar again yeah,
0: exactly now i mean around the pandemic spending, I don't know if it can be all that critical. I mean, was it spent perfectly? Was it too much? We can argue about those details, but that is what it is. But when we take a look at this budget, and uh, you know, they build it as a pandemic budget, and a lot of the spending was focused on pandemic, but a lot of the other things that were in that budget uh, weren't necessarily going to go away when the pandemic goes away. These are permanent changes to how much money the government is spending, right?
1: They are. And one of the things that's troubling is that uh, you know, normally a five-year uh, outlook in a budget is is pretty good. It's certainly better than you know just one or two as we've been getting uh, recently with no proper budget. Uh, but a lot of the spending that they're talking about doing in the short run uh, does fade out over the course of the projection period. Uh, and yet at the end of it, the federal government's quite a bit bigger than they were prefiguring even back in the fall. And so uh, we have uh, had it sort of slip through. Some people talk about this as an opportunity. Uh, People wouldn't have such polite words for it. The fact is that the federal government is getting quite a bit bigger uh, in the background here, and that is ongoing spending, and uh, the bill for that inevitably is going to come due.
0: Um Yeah. And th- th- that's the issue. Um Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you about uh, as a guy who studies these kinds of issues, not that long ago, we used to talk about deficits and debt and, you know, the growing debt and servicing the debt. That's what we talked about. That was the issue. That was the main concern. Suddenly, we're now talking about debt to GDP ratios and how those are what's really important. It doesn't matter how much deficit and debt you're running up. It's debt to GDP. What is that? And why is it now the, the, the parameter that we hear about?
1: It's always mattered for some purposes. Uh, When you're thinking about the sustainability, and and, uh, similarly to what you said earlier, not talking necessarily about the wisdom, uh, of, of the fiscal policy, but simply the sustainability of it. If you're a credit rating agency, if you're a bondholder, then it really matters how big the uh, burden of the debt is compared to your revenues. And a lot of people use GDP as a, a shorthand indicator of how much revenue the economy might generate. So as a matter of Uh, sustainability and our ability to service the debt, whether we ran it up wisely or foolishly, if you see the debt-to-GDP ratio coming down, that's reassuring. If you see it going up, that's scary. Um, One of the problems that I have, though, uh, with with the debt-to-GDP ratio used as sort of a target for fiscal policy is it's such a squishy thing. Um, Mm -hmm. What GDP does is out of your control, and although we all get used to saying GDP, you know, it's the economy, um, it's it's not a very compelling type of a number. I much prefer budget balance. I think budget balance is a much better uh, way of thinking about how to run the budget itself, uh, not least because when you... When you got zero on the bottom line as your target, or some you know definite number on the bottom line as a target, every smart idea for a dollar of spending uh, it brings with it the important challenge of, of saying, "Okay, well, you want a dollar here, so where are you going to save a dollar, or are you really prepared to raise a dollar in tax?" The debt to GDP ratio just doesn't, doesn't give you that kind of discipline.
0: Um, okay, let's let's say that that is what we're talking about now. Uh, debt to GDP. Where are we in terms of that parameter? Are we in a, in a you know, what the economic experts would say is a reasonable position.
1: If you take a static uh, snapshot of it, you'd say, okay, this is something that we can live with. Uh, Other countries have similar levels of debt. Um, when you start to play it out over time, though, there's a very problematic uh, thing happening, and it's not so much the federal government. The federal government tends to have uh, some buoyant revenue sources, and its spending isn't as strongly geared to dem- uh, demographic change, particularly as the provinces are, because the provinces are on the front line of health care. So when you add the provinces and the federal government up together and you start to project a few years out, uh, you do see the overall overall debt ratio getting up to 100% of GDP and then continuing to rise. And so that has to be a concern. And one of the reasons I don't like seeing the federal government getting bigger the way that it is right now is because they're going to take up a lot of the room that the provinces are going to need, uh, especially for health care and not only for health care.
0: Um, you touched on it earlier. I just want to go on into a little deeper. Uh, we're, we're at historically low levels for, for borrowing money and, uh, and, re- and servicing our debt. We know the interest rates are as low as they have ever been. They're not going to stay there, right? How much trouble can we get into and how quickly can that happen?
1: It's going to probably happen more slowly than some of us who worry about these things would like. And I, I, I it's not like I'm, I'm looking for bad news here. But um, some types of things seem to trouble people, uh, policymakers, more than other things. And that, that configuration of interest rates and growth rates uh, really is a very compelling message for them. Um, the key relationship is between interest rates and growth rates. If the economy is growing faster than the rate of interest and right now it is, we're bouncing back from the pandemic happily, and borrowing costs are still very low. Uh, what that means is that you can continue to run deficits because your uh, economy, your tax base is going to grow faster than the interest on the debt can compound, and that's a very nice situation to be in. But as you say, uh, it can turn around. We've been in the opposite situation in the past, and that was no fun where you had interest rates considerably mm-hmm. higher than growth rates. And the thing that I would just say about it is... Um, it's a great situation to be in as soon as you start to count on it. Uh, it's not just the world of being perverse on you. It's that you don't worry about your debt so much. You borrow more. That pushes interest rates up, and you're not worrying about growth. Clearly, the federal government, they talk about stimulus in the short run, but where are the things that would help us grow long-term in this budget? I see very little of that. So they're not paying attention to either side of it, and if you're not trying to get your growth rate up and concentrating on keeping your interest costs down, shouldn't be surprised if that reverses. Um, okay, so
0: let's get to the elephant in the room here we've got to pay these bills no matter how big they get and how fast they change we've got uh, so we're looking at increased taxes right that's the only possible remedy here isn't it
1: well it, yes it is if you want a permanently higher government you're going to have to pay permanently higher taxes in the cd house shadow budget we pointed at the possibility of a gst increase yep. uh, not because we thought it would be politically popular quite the opposite but uh, for one, I mean, partly because it's the most robust and sturdy uh, tax base there is. People who think that you're going to do something on capital gains, inclusion rates, which they're talking about in the U.S. right now, or or having a luxury tax or some kind of wealth tax on, on very wealthy people, it's just not going to raise the kinds of money that we're talking about here. The GST is a very powerful revenue raiser. Every percentage point on the GST is about $10 billion uh, right now. So every time you hear the federal government saying, you know, uh, $20 billion on this, $30 billion on that, $40 billion on something else, or you look at those longer-term projections I was talking about where the baseline level of spending is about $40 billion higher than it was uh, when the federal government last produced a budget in 2019, I think it's fair to say, okay, we don't realize it necessarily, but effectively we are voting ourselves a 4 percentage point increase in the GST rate. Now, how do we feel about that? And that conversation isn't happening, and it should.
0: So, what's the timeline? What what are you thinking? I mean, we're heading into an election that always complicates these kinds of things, but uh, this is going to happen sooner rather than later.
1: What's interesting is to look even at the government's own projections and what they imply about how much we're going to be paying per dollar they're spending. We've just come out of Uh, A a year that's unlike anything in, in any of our living memories where the federal government was actually borrowing more than half of every dollar it spent. So on average, the cost of a federal program dollar was less than 50 cents and for the marginal dollar the additional dollar they were thinking of spending it it looked like they were basically valuing it at zero if you look at the projections in the budget you see that number less than 50 cents uh, climb very rapidly Uh, 80 odd cents in a couple of years 95 cents a couple of years after that so even inside the budget projections and these are projections that are super optimistic when it comes to growth rates uh, being high and interest rates being low even then uh, the, the program cost of a dollar of, uh, sorry, the tax cost of a dollar program spending is, is back up to 95 cents. So that sticker shock is coming mm-hmm. uh, and we don't yet know how we're going to be charged for it, but it's going to happen.
0: We've talked primarily about the federal budget. Uh, understandably it came out this week, but Alberta's in a similar situation, uh, with revenue issues and spending issues. So, um, are we going to be looking at more taxes in Alberta too? I mean, you know, as well as I do, it's been a political suicide tax when you mentioned the PST in Alberta.
1: Well, I, if it were up to me, and this is why I'm not an elected politician, uh, I would be looking at a sales tax. I just think you want a good, robust tax mix. You don't want to be always relying on corporate profits, uh, especially when... Uh, they are as cyclical as they tend to be in a, in a resource-based economy. So uh, I, I would opt for it. I'll just say that. And uh, uh, I can't hear the reaction of your listeners, but I, I know a lot of people w- won't like to hear that. W- I, one of the things that I, I think every province needs uh, over time is a bit more fiscal room, uh, which is sort of a clinical way of saying room to raise taxes. I said already, I don't like the feds getting big the way they are mm-hmm. right now because they're eating up that room. Um, Alberta, does have uh, relatively expensive government, so there's room for, for trimming some expenses there. but I said already i 'll say it again you look out a few years uh, five ten, twenty years, and it 's very clear that the cost of health care, uh, in addition to some of the higher long term care costs we know that we 're now going to be footing partly through the public sector. Um, the provinces are going to have to pay that the feds they're talking a big game now about uh, transfers for this and transfers for that. But that money's not going to be there long term because they're in la-la land when it comes to all this borrowing. In the long run, got to be paid for. And I see the provinces as needing some fiscal room. So it's, it's tough on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to be realistic and they have to communicate this to the population. But if you want the health services, you want the long-term care, uh, at some point, yes, it's going to have to be paid for with higher taxes.
0: Yeah, someone has to pay for it. A harsh reality. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for uh, giving us a reality check this morning. I appreciate it. Well,
1: thanks for having me. At least (laughs) the sun is shining, and uh, we'll come back and uh, maybe talk about a more cheerful topic when we can.
0: Sounds like a plan. Thank you very much. Very good. That is Bill Robson, who is CEO of the C.D. Howe Institute.